you're watching Impactful New You, and I'm your show host, Brandy ESP. And bring on for our next speaker. I've also had some uh, really, really intimate uh, conversations with her uh, since I got to know her a months back, knowing that I'll be co-hosting the show with her. And she's nothing short of stunning and charming, very, very much like me. This is lots of great stories to share. But before I bring her on, have you folks heard of this phrase called, you know that we're all superheroes in everyday clothing without a cape? If you have heard of it, uh, please leave a comment. I'd love to hear it from you too. But very high chances are uh, you won't because I just made that up yesterday when I was fine-tuning the screen. <laughs> and you know what? Cindy, our next speaker, will show you how you can unlock self-esteem and for self-empowerment. And we um, and these two are really, really special superhero powers that you already have within you. So for folks who are fans of Cindy, make a few warm, make a few welcome, and she'll share with you how you can be superheroes and superheroines with real special power starting from today. So ladies and gentlemen, take it away, Cindy. Woo! Thank you so much, Remy, for the very fun and very energizing introduction. Okay. So guys, what I'm going to have you to do is this, okay? I'm going to let you listen to a sound. And I'd like you to guess what sound that is. Alright, so are you ready? I'm going to play this right now. Okay, dump it in the chat box, guys. What sound do you think that is? Okay, so Mavis says it's timer. Irene says it's an alarm clock. How about the rest of you? Doesn't that sound very familiar? And it's probably a sound that many of us have not heard for a very, very long time. So a lot of you are saying like alarm clock, alarm clock, you know, MRT door. <laughs> okay, that sound is actually the sound of the metal detectors at the airport. I think all of you have not traveled for a very, very long time. That's why you don't remember that, right? Yeah, and the reason why I played that sound is because for the last 17 years, every time I travel, I have to listen to that sound every time I travel. And do you know why? Because my hips, my hips are made of titanium. So I'm going to be sharing with you a little story. So when I was 19 years old, uh, I joined the airline as a, as a flight attendant. And during those days, it was considered really glamorous to be jet setting around the world. So I used to spend my life partying, dining, shopping, and I would spend all my money on shoes, okay? So I really, really love my shoes. And my parents used to call me Imelda Marcos, you know, the former first lady of the Philippines. She's the same as me, she's crazy about shoes. The only thing that's different between the two of us is that she's got 3,000 pairs of shoes in the museum. And I've got only 100 pairs lah, huh? in my HDB flat. You know, but in those days, I felt like I was living the dream life of many, many young women. And I thought that I had made it, right? So six years later, I was actually sitting in a doctor's office and this doctor is an orthopedic specialist. And the reason why I was there is because I've been feeling pain in my legs for months as well as weeks. So after a few final scans, he sat me down and he sort of sighed and he went like, Cindy, you have been diagnosed with this condition called avascular necrosis. And there are four stages to this disease. You are on stage four and you now have the hip joints of a 90-year-old woman. So what I want you to do is to go home and get a contractor to renovate your house. 
because it's very likely that you are going to be living your life in a wheelchair. So when I first heard that, uh, the first thing that came to my mind is, what am I going to do with all my shoes? I can't wear them anymore. But seriously, when I heard that, it felt like somebody just punched me in the face over and over again. And I didn't really know how to react. Yeah, and, and you know, it was, you know, I was 25 years old at that time and somebody's telling you that your life is over. How many of you here have ever been in a situation where you felt your entire life is over? Put it in the chat box if you have. You felt like your entire life is O-V-E-R, over. Nothing else to live for. That was exactly how I felt at that time. The doctor told me that my condition is due to alcoholism, substance abuse, as well as severe eating disorders. So the question is this, how did I get from here to here? From a perfect life to a dreaded life. Allow me to take you back. So when I was born, and of course, that's a really, really long time ago, I was supposed to live in a shop house with 20 people. And during that point in my life, nobody had time to take care of a baby. Just nobody had time for that. So they sent me to live with different neighbours until I was about six years old before I was brought home back to this household of 20 people. Everyone was older than me. Everyone had their own lives. And I remember my grandmother being the most powerful person in the household. Yeah, and when I close my eyes, I still can remember how she looks like. You know, she has passed on since then. But I always recall her to look something like an Empress Dowager, you know. Yeah, she looks a little bit like a Chinese Empress Dowager and she's very powerful. So she would sit on this throne uh, at home. And she would smoke her cigarette while watching the TV like and she'll be enjoying the TV, right? So everybody loved her, they obeyed her, and they respected her very much. But I had one little problem. Grandmother seemed to favour the boys a lot more than the girls. And as if that wasn't enough, among all the girls, I was the least favourite one. You know, there was one she told me with a cigarette. Cindy, Bolang Aile, let's go. And it hokkien, it actually means, Cindy, do you know that nobody really wants you? I was a little kid then, and of course, you know, very, very devastated. And in the hierarchy of the home, I felt like I was the smallest and the most invisible. Have you ever felt invisible when you were growing up? You know, not that our parents want to hurt us or our family want to hurt us, but things just happen and it is the way it is, right? So I was, I felt really, really invisible and... When I started going to school, I found comfort in friends and I was determined to be visible. So in order to be visible, I became a bit of a rebel and a gangster. Hokkien language, la, alien, alright? So I remember that um, when a girl looks at me in the way that I didn't appreciate, I would have no qualms confronting her, dragging her to the toilet and just ham thumb her, you know. I have no qualms doing that. And, you know, girls that were bigger size than me were actually quite afraid of me. And I love it lah. Having that power and suddenly all the attention in school gave me a high. Oh gosh, Cindy, now you're somebody important. So I loved it. So su suffice to say, I became a total jerk. Okay, I became a very horrible person. 
and my attention-seeking behaviours actually went all the way to my adulthood and of course with the airline and the glamour it became worse you know because you know they taught us how to be classy how to walk how to talk how to do our hair and makeup how to behave like oh i'm super important and then you know people outside the airline treated us like vips right they would give us the hottest the exclusive invites to the hottest clubs in town and then we will be you know invited to various events it felt like my entire life has changed since when I was a kid, all the way till I went to the airline, totally different person, totally different life. There was one time, I, after a very long flight, I came back um, and I went to visit my family and my mother saw me because I haven't seen her for a while then and then she said, oh, look at you, you look successful. She said that to me. And then my grandmother, in her Hokkien words, like, she said, Cindy, she said that to me. But inside me, I was just saying, you used to be a loser. But now, you are just an imposter. The thing is this, I was taught to have cosmetic confidence. And that's it. And the more I projected that confidence externally, the less I felt it internally. And before long, my feelings of unworthiness actually caught up with me. I started dieting until I became 38 kgs. And the stress of everything gave me a lot of sleeping problems and I was desperate to sleep. Desperate to sleep. For those of you who can't sleep, you know that it's a huge problem. You can't function if you can't sleep. And I couldn't function and I was flying. How can I not sleep? So I was desperate. And because I was desperate, that's when I started self-medicating with alcohol and other drugs. So these were my best buddies every night. Johnny Walker and Jack Daniels are my absolute best friends and I would chase them with sleeping pills. And there was one time in Copenhagen, I was so desperate to sleep and I, no matter what I took, I couldn't sleep. So I had to down half a bottle of Johnny and eight pills and I blacked out for 24 hours in Europe. The doses got higher and higher and my addictions got more and more. On the outside, people saw me as this powerful, poised, confident person. But on the inside, I was depressed, pathetic, and honestly, just self-loathing. So when the doctor told me about my condition, I knew that I had brought it on myself. So I hated myself for that. And I couldn't work anymore because I couldn't walk. So I stayed home and I did nothing for a year and life just came to a standstill. Until one day, I remember that that was a Friday morning and it was one of those days where I woke up really late and you know, waking up feeling horrible, bitter as hell, cursing my life because I've got no job, no money and now I couldn't even freaking walk and I wanted to smoke a cigarette. I was craving for a cigarette. I didn't have any at home. So I had to go out and buy. So I, I had to dress up and limp and walk to this convenience store, you know, um, just below my place. And when I was at the convenience store, I picked up a magazine and I started flipping through it. So. In this magazine, I saw a quote by uh, a guy called uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz and he is a very famous American cosmetic surgeon who actually became an author. And in this quote, he said, low self-esteem self self -esteem is like driving through life with your handbrake on. And you can never fully move forward to your greatest potential if you don't deal with it. Think about that. 
He also said that we cannot authentically project high self-confidence from a place of low self-esteem. Because confidence is really an emotion and self-esteem is the foundation. And then it sort of hit me like a ton of bricks. You know? And I started thinking, holy cow, my entire life, I've been trying to get confidence at home, in school, in the airline, but it never worked because I hadn't developed the foundation for self-esteem. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Please just put it in the chat box. Just put yes if you do relate with me. A lot of times we are working on the external confidence, right? But we don't know what's going on on the inside, my goodness. So that was something that I had sort of like a very, very huge awakening. Okay, so I realized that, you know, after reading and researching a lot more, that there are essentially three addictions that we must unlock in order for us to raise our self-esteem. So the first one is, you can see it's on screen here. The first addiction that we must unlock is the belief that your worth is based on external elements. A lot of us, we have subconscious beliefs. We probably don't know it, but I'd like you to think about it. A lot of us are addicted to compliments and encouragement. And when we don't get it, what happens? We lose it. Yeah? We get validated by things like our jobs, our status, people's comments about us, our social media likes. And the more we rely on other people to validate us, the more we're depending on them, on our self-worth. And you know by now that is like sinking sand because anything can change. Instant. You will not have friends anymore. You might not have money anymore. So how? Have you ever felt that no matter how hard you try, someone is else is still preferred over you? It sucks, right? It really, really sucks. No matter how hard you try. But the good news is this. Huh? Other people's comments matter. But what you say to yourself matters the most. So what do you say to yourself regularly? Do you take responsibility for what you watch, what you listen to, and what you let into your heart? So I have since then realized that it is that feeding yourself, feeding your inner self with nourishing food is not optional. It's not optional. It's a mandatory and not a luxury. So I got myself good Christian teachings, listened to a lot more motivational content, read books that filled my heart with hope and joy. And in that process, I learned about who I am, where I came from, and strengthened my identity. The second addiction that we need to unlock is the addiction to the belief that I'm either bigger or smaller than others. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about the bane of comparison. And when we do that unhealthily, we typically see people in two ways. The first way that we tend to see people is this, small me and big you. What does that mean? Oh, you are richer, you are smarter than me, you know more, you're more good looking, and I'm so much less. And when we keep going that through, through the mind, what happens? It makes us feel inferior and it eats us up on the inside. So we know that just managing this inside becomes really important, right? And then there's the other one, which is the big me and the small you. That's how some people think as well, right? I'm better than you. I know more than you. I'm richer than you. And what does that make this person? Arrogant and narcissistic. I was in both before. Horrible, horrible person. So I have learned that the best way to see other people is the third one. And I call this big you 
pygmy. Same size. Same size. Externally, maybe we are different, right? Maybe you are higher in rank, you have more money, status, finances. Okay, good. But at the core of who we are inside, we are the same. We all came out from our mother's womb and one day we will no longer be on this earth anymore. And when you see people as an equal, you do not feel better or worse than them. Confidence flow. Conversations flow. Connections are strengthened. And the third addiction that we need to unlock is the addiction that is the addiction that I have to be number one. For those of you who are achievers, you would know what I'm talking about. Because I was an achiever. To me, I had inherited this belief in my mind when I was growing up. And my belief was this. I'm not worthy unless I'm number one. Must win. Must be number one. The second place is for the first loser. If I'm not number one, I'm not happy. And how did I find out about this belief of mine? I actually had to do a Michael Jackson moonwalk, you know, backtrack and reflect on your results, actions, feelings, and thoughts. Okay, so why did I get a vascular necrosis? For me, I knew it was all my own doing. It was because I was just abusing myself over and over again. Why did I abuse myself? Because I felt constant pressure and frustration and I didn't even know it. And why did I feel those emotions? Because I keep telling myself, I'm not good enough. And why did I think that way? Because of this belief, I'm not worthy unless I'm number one. So my question to you guys is this. Huh? Are you even aware of your own beliefs? Are you even aware of your own beliefs? And I've come to realize that it is critical for us to question the quality of our beliefs. So if you don't know what your beliefs, it's not too late to start. And you should start to identify your own BS. And by that, I meant belief system. Okay? So you can choose. The good news is you can choose, guys. You can choose once you've identified it, question that you can decide whether you want to keep those beliefs, change them, and toss them. And when we change our beliefs, it changes our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our results, and our lives. Right? So what happened to my 90-year-old hips, horrible old woman hips that I had? Um, the doctor told me that the solution is for me to go through a total hip replacement. So what they had to do was to literally chop off both of my diseased hip joints and put in titanium implants inside. So my x-ray looks like that and those two things there are the titanium hip joints. And before the surgery, it was so difficult. Um, the doctor told me, he warned me that there will be a whole, whole, whole lot of pain. And, you know, after the surgery, uh, you will not be able to run ever again. Um, you're not going to be able to squat. You cannot even cross your legs. I'm like, are you kidding me? You mean I'm going to be living my life like a stiff robot? Uh? So I, I had to prepare myself for these kinds of things. And he told me that your legs would be of different lengths, you know, one long and one short. So I have to customize my shoes. So I thought about it for a long time and it suddenly dawned on me. You know what? I can choose. I can choose, guys. I chose. I chose not to believe 
no to accept what the doctor says. I chose instead to believe that I am loved by my creator whom I call God. I chose to believe that he has a greater purpose for me and that everything else is going to work out for good. So I went through both procedures, one left and one right, because it's such a huge procedure, you can't do both at the same time. So one year on the left, one year on the right. And interestingly, when I went through both procedures, there was zero pain. Zero pain. My entire insurance paid for it. And today, I can squat, I can run, and I can cross my legs. And guess what? Equal length legs! <laughs> no problems buying shoes, guys. <laughs> so, as I wrap up, I just want to ask you this question. If you were to open up your minds and change your beliefs, what do you think your world would look like? Let me help you a little there. Imagine stepping up in relationships and at work. Imagine having true inner confidence and a strong purpose. Imagine living your life to the fullest. Start by identifying your beliefs, questioning the quality of your beliefs, and choose what you want to do with these beliefs. Thank you, everyone. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Cindy Tian. And for more of Cindy, please visit her at worldwideweb.cindytian.com. And I'd like to pay special attention to the folks making wonderful comments on uh, the uh, the chat room before we bring our next speaker up. So firstly, we've got Lydia saying that I feel our belief will be reflected what we do every day, so do what you love. And she also made a comment saying that why, we sh why should we make comparison with one another? Um, one of, every one of us is unique and I totally agree with her. And um, uh, Tsing has mentioned that I can't say I like stories like Mavis or Cindy, but being from the education industry, I can say without a doubt that we can help uh, the young build many healthy self-image and so that there won't be as many broken adults. Thanks so much being sit together with uh, Lydia for sharing. So ladies and gentlemen who are watching this right now, you're watching Impactful New You with four wonderful, remarkable speakers with wonderful stories to tell. My name is Remy ESP. I'm proud to be your show host this evening.